Hello friends, hello family. Welcome to This Is Fine, a podcast that touches on different areas of mental health from traumas to self-improvement where I, your currently ambivalent host, Ivor, unpack insights that may provide some direction as you navigate this thing we call life. Hmm, so why do I feel ambivalent? I don't know if that's the correct word, but that's the word, one I'm going with. Um, this morning I was, after breakfast, I was going to go work out, but then I just found myself sitting in the middle of my floor, just alone, no Netflix, no sound, just me, my mind, my deliberation, the summer humidity combined with sweat, just looking at my cup of coffee going, should I go work out or should I stay and record the podcast? And... I felt good, and and usually that is part of my routine, is to do some kind of exercise. But then I found myself always ending up with not enough energy by the end of the day when I do record the podcast, usually. And I started to analyze what, what my perceived good habits are, my, my self-control, that ability to follow a structure, to not break from it. Sometimes I think that self-control can also lead to our detriment because at the end of the day when I when I get home and I'm tired after working out really hard then I get into a pattern of some kind of procrastination and then I end up recording the podcast late which leads to me editing it late which leads to me going to bed late and then it kind of doesn't help me start off Monday on the correct foot so um, I decided to be a little bit more, you know, to practice what I preach, to look at my habits and see even the good habits, even they do have a consequence that could be negative or could lead to some temptation, which is why I want to talk today about self-control. And self-control is definitely connected with the previous topics that I covered, that being mastery of self and I don't think I ever really mentioned or went into self-control. But I did mention it in some way. Now, when you think of self-control, what do you think about? Do you think about following a routine? Do you think about not eating something specific? Do you think about not using your phone? What do you think about when you hear the words self-control? For me, I think that my societal conditioning or the things, the combination of things that I have read, that I've heard, that I've seen, that I've aspired to, has definitely influenced, like it has for you, has definitely influenced and constructed certain ideas. And those ideas, I think I'm going to try and link with key words, that idea of self-control. So when I think of self-control, I think about uh, sugar, diet, exercise, Focus, better than you. Mm. Anger, violence, impulse, masturbation, phone, internet, online gaming, Twitter, McDonald's fries, reward, brain, dopamine. Yeah, I think I'll stop there. Okay, uh, <laughs> interesting. That's a... Neat little exercise, I think, that you can try with yourself. See what what are the words that come up first. And apparently for me, 
self-control, that ability to, to have the amount of self-control that I do is a tool to use other people. I mean, is a tool that I use to show other people that I'm better than them because, you know, I have strong will and, and I engage in regular exercise and I don't eat this and I don't eat that and, and I don't, you know, I sleep early and I don't use my phone as much anymore. All these kind of like things that I think are separating me from other people as if it makes me better than other people. You know, and I would say that 80 or 70 to 80% of my diet is nutritious. Um, and I can engage in long periods of focus without touching my phone. I haven't polished the rocket in about 20 days now. And then there's days when I crave McDonald's and I'll walk to McDonald's a, a smooth 10 minutes, 15 minutes, buy a medium-sized fries, eat it, and then proceed, proceed to feel bad and then walk, try and walk it off for an hour. But that's only burning like a quarter of the calories and see how that self-control and delaying gratification can also result in a kind of like shaky mental patterns where I where my relationship with food is definitely also impacted because I'm trying to be focused and I'm trying to have self-control instead of acknowledging you know my cravings I fight them off for a long time and then just give in to them um so yeah, I think that's a very good way to start with your to to examine our relationships with self-control is the way that I just did now. And a great way for us then to help lay a foundation is to define self-control. And that's always like a great space to start so that we're on the same page. Um so self-control is I think defined as the ability to control our impulses and to delay gratification. Look, we all have desires. Desires are a biological imperative that keeps us alive. Like, desires are kind of the brain's way to let you know that either the body needs something, the brain or the body needs something. Desires are then also, we can see them as motivations associated with pleasure or release from displeasure. So... Like I woke up this morning with a desire to postpone recording the podcast and to go work out, and this would have this would have activated a cycle a cycle of procrastination that I hide as self control. So I say, oh, I'm, I'm I'm cleaning, I am cooking, I am you know doing the business of being an adult. When part of my ultimate goal in life is to use this show to develop a an, an unwavering sense of consistency of commitment that will help train my brain help prime my brain build the habit for future endeavors or even endeavors that I have taken up right now and to be honest and to fulfill that kind of thing I had to I had to sit in the middle of my floor Summer humidity leaving a clammy mixture of moist air and sweat. Staring at my coffee just sitting in silence. Making this de decision that was in the past so automatic, so habitual. You know, that decision, knowing that if I actually give in to this desire, because exercise is motivation to feel good, um, this quote-unquote healthy exercise... You know, it also expends a lot of energy. And when I get home, I'll, ha I'll have reduced mental capacity and I will have reduced vigilance 
and my self-control will be a little bit um, shaky. It will be wavering. I will procrastinate. So a good question I think to ask here is, how are my desires and my temptations affecting my long-term goals? How are my desires and my temptations affecting my long-term goals? So I see self-control also as putting off the temptations. Those things that result in instant gratification and instead focusing on our commitments. So it's kind of like you're sacrificing the, the person you are today for who you want to be in six months from now or a year from now. Whatever or however you have defined your goal, if you have a goal. Maybe this um, show makes you realize, hey, maybe I should try this whole thing about having a vision, a grand vision or a goal to work towards your life. And see, here's the thing that I think most of us don't realize, it definitely was a moment for me, is that the moment you take one action, you've already shifted that automatic, that 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 underlying part of your psyche, your, your, your subconscious that can stick with long-term changes. You know, something in yourself that that will help you become the future you. I base this off of this very uh, famous, famous psychological test about self-control, and it's called the marshmallow test. Now, you may or may not have heard about this, so let me just quickly recount it. Um, I'm doing this from memory, so let's see if I have it correct. Um, I think they used preschool kids. Yeah, preschool kids were each given... A marshmallow. Then they were told that they could eat it at any point they wanted to. But if they waited for 15 minutes, they would get another marshmallow. These kids whose concept of 15 minutes, you know, seems like an eternity, you know, were challenged to forgo immediate gratification. And if you have some time, I'd like you to go check out those videos. It's very easy. Just Google or YouTube marshmallow test. And when I was watching that, I remember, I remember a couple of years ago, watching that, I, I found myself fascinated by how the kids have these different methods to try and prevent their impulses to try and, and, and gain some self-control Everything from like sitting on their hands or, or like just licking the marshmallow or like looking away, like everything they could to distract themselves from it. Because honestly, if there's if you cannot watch the clock or, or just as a kid, 15 minutes is a long time. And I find this interesting because I'd like to believe that I would have been the kid that had the self-control and would put it together but I can't necessarily, uh, using an adult mind, say what I would have done as a kid. Because, you know, our stage of neural development is all uh, generally the same. I know it's, it's, it's um, contradictory for me to speak in generalizations when I'm also, like, preaching. You should be very specific. Oh, that word should. You could be very specific. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I probably wasn't any different from the kids and, and would have struggled the same way. Um, so it's very interesting to see the things that kids do to delay their gratification. And I think that could also be connected to how our quote-unquote adult brain, um, the strategies we use to delay gratification. So the point is that 
The kids who were successful at waiting the 15 minutes, that eternity of a 15 minutes, had more quote-unquote successful life outcomes, like 10, 20 years down the line, I think. These kids had better social skills. They had better levels of education than the kids who did not have self-control. In the interest of honesty, I did not look into the exact details of the, the, the experiment, like were their socioeconomic situations the same, their emotional and physical surroundings, their nutrition, all these factors that, that affect developmental health or your developmental pattern of your brain, your body. Um, but my logic and assumption would say that if this was done by scientists, that it would be as, as, as a fair and controlled environment as possible. So I, I would assume that the researchers would have accounted for these things. And these, this experiment is also res, uh, backed up by lots of research and lots of studies. But at the end of the day, their results are that high self-control has resulted in lower uh, drug use, uh, lower risk of depression. Um, you know, the people with more self-control eat better. They smoke less. It all makes sense in that in the information that I'm providing to you. And so while I'm like reading more about self-control um, in my years of interest in the brain, uh, doing some, I don't like to say the word research, I'd like to just use the word reading and listening and thinking about this. And there is something, a quote or a phrase that I've come to live by and when I share this phrase, I get like lots of varying responses. I remember the first time I did it, I had a girlfriend at the time. And um, she had this friend who would always, always complain about, I want to do this and I want to do that. And, and, and my boyfriend this and da, 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 all these kind of things that she would say. And then what? And then one day, I remember telling her, if you really want to do it, you will. And the light like like highlighted, like snapped on in her eyes. I just saw her going, oh, you're right. And, you know, that's the moment I think my ego got hold of me. And, and, I, and I got this, hey, like what I said actually, like someone actually listened. I was about, whoa, 24 at this point. Anyway, let's get back to the present. Again, whenever I'm presented with people saying things like, I really want to do something. I, I really want to not like uh, give that guy so much attention or I don't want to just sleep with him. Or, or um, when people ask me for advice and say they really want to break up, but they just can't and all these kind of things. Okay, I'm saying him a lot now because, well, I belong to the home of sexual and most of my friends are gay men and or straight women. So the pronoun here is usually him. So you can replace that pronoun with anyone you want. Yeah, there's a lot of things straight up, um, not straight about me, but one thing is that I will give it to you straight. And when someone uh, uh, comes to me with that kind of, and I see it as bullshit, I'm just going to call it that. Now, when they're like lying to themselves like that, when they say, oh, I really want to do it, but I just can't. I think my experience and my observations with people is, if you really wanted to do it, you will. If you're not doing it, it means 
Mary, it means you don't want to. Stop lying to yourself. So if you want to do something, then start with being honest with yourself. Something I preach a lot of times. And like I said before, repetition is very, very, very important for you to really get the lesson. There are so many lessons and, and so many uh, quotes and so many things I've heard and conversations that I've had that have been repetitive in some sense. And I didn't get the message until either years later, next week, something like that. So when you really want to do something, you will do it. And I think I just found like a, a great way to summarize it. All right. Um, I think the, your, your current action is a direct representation of your future self. I don't know if that's too general, but that's the one I'm going with. I'm literally just saying what I think James Clear said. He said, the action you take now is a vote for who you want to be. Something like that. Yeah, just that phrase. Your current action is a direct representation of your future self. It takes me back to this morning when I was just sitting here in my quiet room, feeling the mixture of, like I said, the summer humidity with that sweat. But being unbothered by it, just accepting that moment, that thought, that silence for what it is and being so focused and and contemplating my current action and how it would affect my future self. I'm not saying you have, this is not like longing for a future, but just looking and taking stock of what you're doing now and what the result is in the future because there will be a result. Every action has an equal reaction. If I decided to go to the gym, if I had decided to watch another episode of the comeback, which is what I'm re-watching right now. Um, if I had been unconscious and reached for my phone any moment prior to that, I probably would have been been pulled out of that that presence, that focus of that dilemma that I had. And I wouldn't be saying what I'm saying now because I would have taken many different steps. I would have procrastinated. I would have gone to the gym. I would have been tired. I wouldn't have been sitting here saying this, realizing what my past action has resulted in right now. Um, I think this is a great point for us to segue into another aspect of self-control that I think may help you gain more, well, more of it, like <laughs> more self-control. And that is willingness. And I got this idea from a, dev not developmental, a behavioral psychologist called Jonathan Bricker I got this idea from him, but I've low-key been practicing it way before. I think it's because I've like been very interested in Stoicism and Buddhism and uh, that kind of philosophy. I can't quite remember how I got there, but um, I think it like stems from my beginnings or my realizations of what the ego is and that I am not the thinker, that I'm not that voice in my head. And then since then, there has been this underlying quest of disidentifying with the ego, but also learning to accept that it is always there and accept the things that it throws me or that it has been conditioned and my conditioning, the thoughts that come up, the reactions, the things that I have, accept them for whatever the moment brings. So... I think I can apply this to like, I spoke earlier about the McDonald's craving, for instance, the fries, specifically the fries. So if I'm craving 
the fries or something else, the chocolate-covered peanuts that I like or some kind of soft gummy candy, all those things, you know, the following happens, you know, sometimes in a split second and sometimes it takes a lot of internal struggle. But if I have a craving and I notice the craving, I say, ah, Ivor, you're craving blah, blah. And now because I have primed my brain with understanding of sugar and how if sugar was discovered in this century, it would not be considered a food group. group. Instead, it would be classified as a drug. And understanding how it affects your, your, your body, how it affects your dopamine release, and that also how, it, um, how certain cravings can be mistaken for something else with our, our diet these days. It's very easy to mistake your thirst with hunger so people feel like they want to eat something or when so i've realized that now if i want to eat something i'll drink a little bit of water first and see if i'm craving sugar first drink a little bit of water give it five minutes and see do i still crave sugar the thing is usually you don't <laughs> so knowing things more about the body you live in the the brain that you use really does have a different uh it brings a different sense of understanding and control over your body and your self-control. So I've trained my brain and say, when I think that I crave a bar one or whatever the fuck, um, that I either need water or I need to move my body around. And lately I've been getting into breath work as a means of generating energy when I feel um, when I feel tired because a, a, a big part of feeling tired is a lack of oxygen. So it means that if you do a certain breathing technique, you rush the blood with oxygen and the brain with oxygen, and you actually feel awake and focused. You know, and that is all comes from a willingness to go, hey, Ivor, you are craving this and not fighting the craving, just accepting it. Watch it a little, question it a little, like I always say, and... You know, you may find that you have presented yourself with some options and that you've generated, like I said, a sense of control over yourself, self-control. And uh, part of what Jonathan Bricker has found is that when you do let those cravings in and you acknowledge them and, and you make peace with them, that your goal should not be to work against your brain and body. Don't fight your brain and body and the natural progression of your life. You cannot use willpower to fight <laughs> your mind and your, your body's imperative to survive. If you, like, if the fitness and diet industry has made money off of, it's definitely knowing and, and abusing that, that, that knowledge that willpower is kind of a facade at best. And they understand your psychology and your physiology much better than you do. And like I said, have kind of used it against you for uh, capitalism to make money. So are you willing to understand the behaviors that are holding you back? Wait, are you willing to understand your behaviors, the behaviors that you have that are holding you back? Start there. Start with answering that question. Yes or no. And that's a great place to start. No, then switch off the podcast. Don't listen any further. <laughs> one behavior that holds me back is that I am um, unwilling to forgive, you know, 
um, I wanted to say, actually, that's why I paused. I wanted to say I am unable to forgive. But I think if I, if I had used the word unable, then I'm like taking away a little bit of responsibility from myself. Saying, eh, I just don't have it in me. I just, I just wasn't, I just wasn't born with that ability. It's just, it's just not my, my thing. You know, and I, that's where I need to call bullshit on my own way of thinking, you know. It just ends up that I'm not willing to forgive. Now, that that not willingness, that, that feeling, may come from many different areas in my life. But for it, it all has culminated to this, this event that if someone has disrespected me just once, I am very unforgiving and unwilling. I close off. I, I even get to the like I get to the extreme other point of um, forgiveness. I get too petty <laughs> and, I, and I don't ever 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 talk to that person ever again. And that is I think my greatest character flaw, even me admitting that and recognizing it. And it does take a lot of guts to admit that to yourself. Um, and that is also probably a part of why certain aspects of my life is not moving in the direction that I ha want to. Um, so, like, the reason you can't stop replying to his text, even though he just uses you for sex, is, well, because you don't want to stop replying. You don't want to stop, you know. The reason you're not living a life that you claim you want is because, well, it boils down that to how much you actually really want it. And I'm saying these things all in the scope of someone that recognizes that able-bodied people, this is just for able-bodied people. I'm not talking about the mentally impaired or the physically impaired. If you are able to, to take care of yourself financially and physically, um, then I think that you also do have more of an opportunity to, to, to ponder these kind of things. So self-control for me can be encapsulated in that idea that what you do right now is a representation of who you want to be. If you don't know who you want to be, well, that's the first place you need to start at. Look at what you did today. That will give you a kind of direction of like, is that the kind of person I want to become? Did you do anything to get to where you want to be? Once you understand this, self-control becomes easier. I'm not saying that Self-control is easy. You know, I'm not saying that if you get what I'm saying now, if you follow this method of thinking, that that's a kind of silver bullet to self-control. What I'm saying is that self-control becomes a lot easier when you stop lying to yourself. <laughs> I feel so preachy right now. You know, that's kind of a, a, a negative way to put it. Let's put it... Um, the the path to self-control is controlled with self the path to self-control is paved with self-honesty yeah the path to self-control is paved with self-honesty okay i know that 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 self-honesty isn't really a, a, an actual term um but i think it just fits well with that quote and i think and i trust that you understand what i mean by self-honesty being honest to yourself uh, I just made that up for the sake of giving you a little sound bite, giving you a little nugget that may ring in your mind once you tell a friend, I really want to not eat this ice cream, but ah, uh, whatever, it's a special occasion, I'll, whatever. Uh, don't lie to yourself. You want to eat the ice cream. like Or saying, I really want to but can't. 
in many cases, in most of those cases, you're lying to yourself. Um, a, a story that I really, really like thinking about, and I haven't done so for many years, but I think Oprah was inf- interviewed on some kind of One Africa or Africa something television. And this guy had asked her for her favorite guest of all time. This is after the Oprah show was done. Um, and I think she said that out of like the estimated 37,000 people that she has spoken to, that there's this one woman who's like not a celebrity, not someone famous or whatever. It was a woman called Terrorai Trent, born and raised in a village in Zimbabwe. At 11 years old, she wanted to go to school, but her father says, no, you're a girl, it's tradition, boys are the ones that go to school, education, you are a girl, you have to do the work of being a girl and very soon a woman in this tribe. The boy has to do, you know, has to go to school but you can't go to school. At some point, she starts doing her brother's homework. He gets to school, you know, usually gets to school, and he doesn't know the answers to the question the teacher asks him, but his homework, all the answers there are correct. So at some point, the teacher comes and she investigates. She comes to the village and wants to know, hey, hey, what's going on here? Why does his, why is his homework perfect, but he doesn't know any of the answers? Eventually, she finds out that it's Terrorai. She's the one who's doing his homework. The teacher then naturally begs the father to let Terrorai go to school. The father says no. Eventually, I think two years later or something, he marries her off. She marries at 11 and a half years old. She has three children by the time that she's 18. Then, a woman comes to the village from an NGO and asks Terrorai, what are your dreams? This child who never thought about what, who probably never thought about what her dreams were, in the sense that, that, that we know, that the people in the Western world knows about the idea of goals and dreams, and then she writes down her dream on a piece of paper, and she folds them and puts the paper in a tin can, and buries the tin can in the sand underneath a rock. Her first dream was to be able to go to a school in the United States and get a college degree. She ends up, through, through some miracle of that same NGO, going to the, to the United States. She gets a college degree, a four-year college degree in three years. This is someone who's never gone to school. She goes back to the rock in Zimbabwe. She writes down her next goal on a piece of paper, and she buries it under the rock in the tin can. She wrote, I want to get a master's degree. She goes back to the United States, and she gets a master's degree. You know, And by this time, she now has five children, still living with a man who married her at 11 and a half years of age, a man that still abuses, a man that still beats her. After she gets her master's degree, she goes back again to the rock in Zimbabwe. She writes down her final goal, which is to get a doctorate degree. And in 2011, she became Dr. Terrorai Trent.
Now, if that story isn't an example of self-control, then I don't know what is. Like, focus. Now, you could say, oh, she was lucky because of the NGO. Yeah, I don't know, but I don't really, really agree with the, uh, the, the, the notion of luck because luck is just you being prepared to meet a moment of opportunity. If Terrori wasn't in some way prepared and didn't have self-control and focus, she would probably not have been able to take that opportunity and ran with it the way that she did. You know, and I haven't thought about this story in such a long time, but it is such a great lesson. And I think I should put her name up somewhere, somewhere on my computer screen, on like a desktop background or something, you know. And just to think that if it wasn't for this morning, my deliberation with my assumed healthy habit of exercise that led to the journey of this, uh, to this microphone sooner than I usually would have, the likelihood that I, you know, um, thought of that story, I don't know, who knows, it may not have happened. Well, I can't tell now because... That's, you know, um, but now I can write that name, put it on my computer screen or something and be reminded of that story and be a source of unwavering inspiration, terrorize Trent, that story and marry it with, with self-control. Huh. Um, yeah, I think that's a great, great way to end it. And, um, there are two things that I'd like you to take away from this episode is that you know my lame little quote? The road to self-control is paved with self-honesty. And then also, remember the name, remember the story of Terrori Trent. All right, everyone. Uh, like I said, that's a good way to wrap it up. Thank you so much to every single person listening. Um, usually, I don't check out like my analytics, the, the, the numbers and the things about the show. Um, and sometimes I do have moments where I'm like, oh, why am I even doing this? No one's listening. But it's also very, very nice to see that uh, the listenership, the downloads, the people that listen um, have gone up about, I would say, 10%. And that's, you give me 1% and I would still be happy. So thank you to all of those who listen. Thank you to all of the new listeners. And thank you to all of my um, quote-unquote old listeners Please, uh, if you like this episode, share it with a friend or rate and review it on your favorite podcast listening platform. Drink your water. And if you feel like you've had a bad day, do something kind for someone. You would be so surprised how that helps lift your spirit, seeing the smile on someone else's face. All right, everyone, have an excellent day and I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye bye.